The Germans gave her the nickname Artemis, and the Gestapo reportedly considered her the most dangerous of all Allied spies. Virginia Hall, a.k.a. the Limping Lady, organized sabotage and rescue missions all across Vichy, France, paving the way for the Allied invasion, making her one of the baddest spies of World War II. This is Casual History. Jeffrey, welcome back to another episode of Casual History. How are you, man? Doing well. Episode three. Episode three. <laughs> How you been? How you been? What's been going on in your life? Not too much. It's only really been a week. Um, I, I know. Staying busy with work, and uh, I hear that. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, man. I've been uh, I've been picking up random hobbies as I do, which I tend to think that I like. I do a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. The like last couple of days, I've been working like an Unreal Engine and trying to pick that up and watching a billion tutorials so that's been consuming me the last couple of days like creating games yeah yeah like just like starting learning like not even the code learning but just like uh, going through tutorials on how to make basic games in it it's really huh. fun man sounds interesting yeah it's really fun it's it's something i've always wanted to do but obviously it's a lot but i was figuring i was like it'd be fun just like to start it up and work on my own time yeah, try to maybe figure all make that a stuff casual out. history game. <laughs> there, a casual history game. See, well, we'll have to work on that together. I need, I need Everyone's concept gonna ideas. Have a, uh, well, here's the concept for you. I just came up with it on the spot. Perfect. Everyone's going to be a gold digger. Okay. You know, they're going to be miners looking yes. for treasure. Looking um, for treasure. Make it, make it a, an adventure game. And then they pick up random quests of, uh, <laughs> you know, they find a, a quest to go find the lost whatever the i don't know some yeah. random piece of artifact and then you send them off into the world it'd be really cool if it was like very specific on like our podcast so like we talked about atlantis so you have to find something for atlantis and then it just keeps going we're just the quest givers yeah we're just the quest givers at the beginning yeah. just like oh hello again <laughs> you must yeah, travel the world <laughs> yeah we're just the opening uh make us in cgi format you know dude that'd be really fun yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be really fun. Dude, it's crazy what they can do. Uh, I was looking up some of the add-ons for, what, the fifth generation of Unreal 5. It's insane. For it, those who don't know, you might want to explain what Unreal is. Yeah, it's just it's just a, a game engine. There's a bunch of them out there, but it's one of the more recent ones. Um, gosh, I wish I knew exactly like what games were made of it, but like AAA, very prominent games were made with this engine. Uh, but yeah, they just came out with a brand new one. And then it's like for the newer stuff, it's like very updated and higher tech, huh. lots more features. It's very cool. Well, I don't have any particular, um, you know, wrap ups from last week. I think we covered most everything. Yeah. Um, we do have a new uh, ad on our podcast, which is pretty cool. So that's nice. Um, uh, maybe some something to update people about. So thank you for listening to that in the middle of the podcast. It does help support. Um, find us on Casual X History on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, but other than that, it's your your turn today, Jake. Okay, well, this week we're going to talk about Virginia Hall. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead and jump into like a quick summary. So that way we can kind of, you know, get an idea of who she was. Nice. Uh, and what the story is going to be about. So during World War II, Nazi officials were constantly hunting down resistance fighters and the Allied spies who aided them. But there was one foreign operative that the Third Reich had special contempt for. 
It was a woman responsible for more jailbreaks, sabotage missions, and leaks of Nazi troop movements than any other spy in France. Her name was Virginia Hall. But the Nazis only knew her as one name, and it was the Limping Lady. And uh, it said, there's literally like a quote saying, I would give anything to get my hands on the Limping Canadian bitch. Wow. (laughs) This is from Klaus Barbie, the infamous Gestapo chief. uh, Well, he can go to hell, so... Yeah, reportedly grumbled this to his henchmen, and despite his cruelest efforts, he never would. Wow, why was she known as the limping lady? That's what we're going to get into, Jeffrey. I'm going to tell you all about it. <laughs> she get she has a limp, I'm assuming? <laughs> that's obviously yeah. <laughs> the, what that's yes. re- referring to. Yes. So, okay. So, one second. Uh, who was Virginia Hall? So, Virginia Hall wasn't Canadian, actually, but she did walk with a pronounced limp the results of a freak hunting accident that required the amputation of her left leg below the knee. Hmm. In its place was an ungainly seven-pound wooden prosthetic that she lovingly named Cuthbert. Now, I went ahead and tried to look up Cuthbert and like what that me- like meant in maybe a different language or something like that. Uh, it l- it's, translates to legend. Cuthbert was also uh, a saint. Yeah, was it? Yeah. Just really? Yeah. See, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, just, int- I mean, I don't, yeah, just interesting. He was, um, but it was like a long time. He was like an Anglo-Saxon saint. So. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, th- that was just the first thing that came to my mind was like, she must've named it after something like funny. Yeah. Well, you know, like knows? if you like, name you, your amputation. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe there's something, but maybe that saint had a wooden leg. I don't know. Or maybe she just meant it as like you, like you just said, legend or kind of a fun name. Yeah. Or just name. how you nickname things, you know? But she went into the <laughs> army or she was drafted with a wooden leg yes so she was raised in baltimore maryland uh by a wealthy and worldly family that put no limits on their daughter's potential athletic sharp and funny she was voted the most original in her class in her high school yearbook um she began her college studies at bernard and radcliffe but finished them in paris vienna um becoming fluent in uh, french german and italian with a little russian on the side so she was a very, very smart, smart person. Mm. Um, but after graduation, Hall applied to the U.S. Foreign Service, eager to see the world and serve her country, but was shocked to get a rejection letter in effect of, no, like, no women, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So that's what the rejection letter said. Um, not ready to give up, Hall decided to enter foreign service through the back door by landing a clerk job at the U.S. Embassy in Warsaw, and then at the U.S consulate in uh, Smyrna, Turkey. It was then during a bird hunting excursion with the American friends in Turkey in 1933 that Hall stumbled climbing over a wire fence and accidentally discharged her shotgun, hopelessly mangling her left foot. So it was then that she needed the amputation. So this is kind of after. Yes. Um, Recuperating back home in Maryland, uh, Hall applied for the Foreign Service again, only to be rejected, not because she was a woman, but because she was an amputee now. Yeah, and that's... I've always thought about that, too. That that's ha- that has to happen quite often. Yeah, definitely. Like shooting your own foot. <laughs> yeah, this was also a different time for women in general as well, so it was like a double whammy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Hall quit the, Senate, uh, the State Department and went back to Paris as a civilian in 1940. And on the eve of the German invasion. 
She drove ambulances for the French army and fled to England when France, uh, what does it say? Uh, Capulated, uh, gosh, this word, capulated to the Nazis. I don't know what that means. Surrendered, what? Uh, At a cocktail party in London, Hall was uh, supposedly railing against Hitler when a stranger handed her a business card and said, if you're really interested in stopping Hitler, come see me. So, like, how is that not a movie? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there has to be some movies on this. Interesting. But that's, that's the spy stuff that you expect to see in, like, you know, like in movies and stuff like that to get just here. Here's my card. Come see me. It's why her, too. Because, like, I would imagine that there's no sh- shortage of people that would be going off against Hitler, you know? Oh, <laughs> As sure. In, like, that's- denouncing him. So, like, that doesn't make it that special. So, I'm, I'm curious to know why... He was like, oh, yeah, right. well, hey, come see me. Maybe he was just in the right spot. He was a spy yeah. recruiter? What, what, what was he? <laughs> yes, and it was it was a woman as well, but yes. A woman, uh, okay. Which we'll get into who she was. Um, but, yeah, uh, I, I'm wondering if it was they knew her service. She was already kind of enlisted. Yeah. She already kind of knew things as well as, like, again, being multi, be able to speak multi-language, uh, bunches of languages and yeah, stuff true. like that. true. Super smart. I'm sure that they kind of pegged her and knew who she was beforehand. Yeah. But uh, played on that. Gotcha. Yeah. So then we go to the spy life. So the woman was none other than Verda Atkins, a British spy master believed to be Ian Fleming's inspiration for Miss Moneypenny in the James Bond series. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's a new James Bond coming out. Did you know that? Yeah, Atkins, who recruited uh, agents for Winston Churchill's newly created special operations executive, um, was impressed with Hall's firsthand knowledge of the French countryside, her multi-language fluency, and her, her unflappable moxie. Hmm. So that's the reason why she was approached. Yeah, moxie, kid. You got moxie. <laughs> 1940s, man. Uh, but yeah, so in the 1941... Hall become the SOE's first female resident agent in France, complete with a fake name and forged papers as an American reporter for the New York Post. She quickly proved except, exceptionally skills, not only at radioing back the information to German troop movements and military posts, but also at recruiting a network of loyal resistance spies in central France. Mm. Yeah. And I just, this is crazy that I have never heard of her before. Yeah. Um, There's probably a lot of people like that that are, um, lost to history like that. Yeah, well, that and then also a spy. Like the spies don't get recognition typically. Oh, for sure. You you would assume the whole thing is you're not doing your job well if you get, if you if you know people know about you. You're a spy. You know, if you're in the history books as a spy, maybe along down like a, a ways down the line, like this, you know, means something. But typically, I think if you know about the spy, maybe it's not a good spy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that know? is true. So, that is true. I would I would probably say the same. Yeah. Uh, Hall's work was discreet, but she quickly got on the radar of the occupying Germans. Nicknamed the limping lady, she was deemed one of the uh, regime's most wanted. So she was already on lists, man. And the fact that she had so they her knew. amputee, kind of, yeah, like they knew that she had a limp, um, which is kind of funny. You would recruit a spy that has something so obvious about them. Huh. Makes them they stand can't take out away. In, the, in the crowd yeah. a bit more. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty crazy. But the fact that the Nazis knew, um, you know, it's something to look for. And then 
Um, how, how did that they find out? Did you, is there any kind of information on how they found out about her or knew? Not really, besides probably hearing like radio transmissions from her and not being able to catch her yeah. or catch this spy. Uh, somehow they must have seen her yeah. by giving her that, that nickname. Remember that the other podcast we did about spies and some of the crazy stories um, yeah. about people going back and forth and it's so intimidating that I admire it. But then I'm trying to think of also like the time pe- period of, um, you know, like nowadays I feel like you you couldn't do, you could do everything, but you can't do anything. Like nowadays I feel like you couldn't get away with anything. So it's just, uh, it, I don't know why that shocks me more that like amongst the chaos of war, right? Yeah. That there's there's spies running. Like I don't know how you would keep track of that. Like well, that's, as a that's country, a as a part. foreign country, as the Nazis, as France, how do you keep track of? Oh, this like I don't I don't know I don't know why that seems so difficult. Well, that probably is what like leads you know uh, them to be successful. Is like in the middle of war, it's chaos. So much going on, so much you're trying to keep a hold of, even for your own spies. Yeah. Like, how are you? How are you coordinating every single person and knowing every single person's location at once? You can't. We, you know, I think it's something similar. Um, it, I've always thought about this as well. Like battle lines. Like when people draw, like, oh, we've captured this from here over to the right. Right. That always. I, this is so bugs lame. you. <laughs> bugs me, and more so, like, it pokes me because I'm going. How do you? Does someone, is there a line or is there a line of people like posts? I'm assuming that see every mile down. Like, how do you mark that? I'm sure it's not specific. I'm sure it's like we occupy a city. Yeah. We have main control over the city and its citizens. So therefore that's the line. There's not like like that line out, that mile marker. (laughs) But it feels like there would be holes in that so easily. Like if you're like, when it would show like, again, talking about world war two in particular when it was, uh, sure. I've seen like documentaries about like, and then they advance forward and like shows, you know, like the red swallow the territory, like, a amount of territory and like it goes back and forth. And I think I always think about that and go there. It feels like there would be so much, so many holes to get through, like from either opposing side that yeah. it never made sense to me. And that's such a random complaint and or thought, <laughs> but I just, the thought of trying to keep track of where your yeah. line is and then trying to keep track of spies and trying to keep track of all of these things sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Logistically. Well, the way I understand, again, I know, I don't know as much as the next guy, but I'm just saying the way I understand spies is they're kind of, um, they have objectives, but then they're kind of left to their training. So it's not meant to like, you have tabs on every single spy that's out there. It's kind of like, I'm saying this is what I need you them. to do. Oh like yeah. How do you like? How does how do you have time <laughs> to, to like <laughs> to, to stop them? Just to name limping lady. Like okay, I don't know. Obviously, it's of high importance because like you know information and destroying whatever, sure. whatever taps breaking people out of jail. Like you mentioned, that's obviously important. Yeah. But it just seems like a lot of work. You know, it just seems like a <laughs> it, lot of work. It probably is a lot of work, but I think. I think her having the limp probably made it so much easier that like if there was three jailbreaks um, with a lady who has a limp, then it's easy to go. That's the same person. You know, it's not like just random chaos. It's like you can assign that as like, ah, that's a specific person like destroying stuff that we have. Yeah. I just war seems like a logistical nightmare. Dude, (laughs) 
Like, how is it not? Like trying to feed not? everybody, trying to uh, just everything, man. Everything about it. Yeah. But anyway, back to Virginia Hall. Anyways, uh, so the mission at the SOE was to set Europe ablaze with guerrilla sabotage and subversion tactics against the Nazi forces. Uh, what 1940s spy craft lacked in techn- technological sophistication, it made up with in creativity. Um, the BBC would insert coded message into its nightly radio station broadcasts. Hall would uh, file news stories with her editor in New York, embedded with code misses for her SOE bosses in London. Huh. Yeah, and, and Lyndon Hall, oh, sorry, in Lyndon, uh, Hall would put a plotted gerar- geranium in her window uh, when she was there, when there was a pickup to be made. Sorry. Uh, says Pearson, who spoke to some of Hall's aging co- co- compatriots in France. And the pickup would be a message behind a loose brick in a particular wall, or it might be go- like to go to a certain safe. And if there's a message, the bartender would give you a glass with something stuck to the bottom of it. So there's lots of like really random techniques that are really fun. Again, even with our last podcast on spies, like hiding them in fake rocks and stuff out in the middle of the desert somewhere, um, you know, like super cool tactics like that. Yeah. Um, so Hall became so notorious to the Nazi leaders and the Gestapo dubbed her the most dangerous of all allied spies. So she was wrecking enough stuff that they knew yeah. who she was. They had like a name for her and thought of her as the most dangerous. Wow. Uh, Hall didn't just survive the wartime years under constant threat of capture, torture, and death. She also played a crucial role in recruiting large networks of resistance fighters and directing their assistance to the Allied invasion. Among the secret operatives who adored her were the Nazis who hounded her. Hall was legendary for her gutsy cinematic feats. She broke 12 of her fellow agents out of a internment camp, ev- evaded the treachery of a double-crossing, double-crossing priest. See, I tried to look up more on that story. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously, you know, like that stuff is not just out in the open. But a double-crossing priest? <laughs> Makes sense. There's probably a priest wanted to turn her in. Yeah, Escaped maybe. Escaped it. Also, yeah, dude... <sighs> Um, this is random, not random yeah. actually, but it's kind of connected. Like writing people out with like fake papers, that that had to be easy, right? Oh yeah. Like, right. how do you verify anything? <laughs> Handwriting. How do you verify uh, the way signatures? <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, how do you verify signatures? You could fake. You I love fake how a you're. I love how you're stuck on the details of this thing because you're right. Those are the all things that like companies and like training people uh, have to think of. Right? Like, how do you know that it's you and it's just, someone can just write your name? It just seems like it would be so easy to fake. I mean, I don't know, man. I think I think I, all that I, has to be training. I could have been a spy leader probably in the 1940s. <laughs> That's probably what, you what would have I'm, to do I'm realizing. Is train your spies to write a certain way that nobody else would, like, initially copy. Well, you get your hands on and, one good piece of paper of the real signature and you just copy it. Like, that's it. That's all you got to do. Like, I don't know, man. It seems, it seems pretty <laughs> simple to me. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, she was doing that. She was doing some things, though. I'm not trying to make like she her was. job sound easy. Obviously, that's incredibly no. extreme. <laughs> I just, it was a different time. I just, I just think, wow. But, but, but faking papers, I mean, maybe it's not that 
easy. You know, maybe maybe there's, you know. How are you supposed to know where the papers are supposed to be at the right time? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of that. I just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think, man, that seems Being like that would be kind of easy to do, but. I don't know, man. I think I think it's harder than it, it looks. I think there's a lot of technicalities, little things. You know, we're in that same age now where you can fake anything too. Like we we went. Yeah. I we did like a whole uh, like chart where we went up. I almost feel like in the early before the internet, things were easy to fake, right? Then we kind of went right. down, and now we're back up because now we're so saturated with this stuff that everything can be faked. Um, yeah. And That's and then we're crazy. now working on different ways to verify like resumes and. And just random stuff that people oh, fake yeah. all the time. It has to be a hundred percent different than like Spy Today in the system. Yeah, like, I don't, I wonder what like I think of Jason Bourne. Like that's like my yeah, most right. recent like, uh, like comparison of. I think that probably is pretty close, right? Just guy, think, just people out there living their lives until they get one call to do something. I don't know. And man. they have all the training there. They obviously keep sharp, but they live their lives. They get paid. They don't have to worry about paycheck or doing a job. And they just get a call or two every few months, every month, whatever, to do a specific thing, and they do it. Ah, I see. Now now I understand what you mean. You mean like, yeah, when they're calling in extra spies around the world yeah, to go get Jason where they're living. just like... They just have people living. Yeah. I mean, that's probably how it always worked, but obviously during wartime, there's a bit of a different probably fervor of like, you know, going and doing missions all the time. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's but having to, to know what maybe spies would be doing now. Maybe yeah, I and am having one multiple like having multiple podcasts where that's been the premise is like hey literally everybody's tracked everybody's in the system but that's controlled by the government as well everyone's so, tracked all the time you, everywhere that's right. why i don't understand what people are worried about being tracked more i'm like man you have a phone on you you're all already that you everyone could if someone wanted to i'm not even convinced that i mean i'm convinced that most I'm too small on a radar to, to, to need to be tracked, right? Sure. But like, if you're if you're out there <laughs> doing something that you're worried about being tracked on, okay, great, go get off the grid. But for the yeah. majority of the human population that are just kind of living and having a they life, they don't care about your phone calls, man. They just care, they about, care about your about data. You. They're just trying to sell <laughs> you things. That's all they're really. That's the that's really the big kicker for me. Is like the the phones and the the ads and the the data. That's the importance of because they're just getting it, trying to make it easy to sell to you, right? Right. Like the the where I'm at at any given location, I couldn't. I mean, I would like them not to have to have that information, but yeah. because I have a smartphone, I know it's almost just hand yeah, to hand, not, which is kind of sad. Not to go down this rabbit hole, but like. I watched uh, a full thing on them. And like, I mean, just the technology that happens in your phone. Most people don't know what is going on with your phone. Your phone is pinging your location. Every two like, minutes. Yeah. Every two minutes to a tower who tells like anytime you send a text messages, it's pinging your location. Um, yeah. They don't need a, they don't need a tracker in your skin. <laughs> no, they definitely <laughs> don't, don't need a like, chip. They don't for need you. a chip. Like we're way past chips, my man. And women. yeah, we're way past, and, but like that's, but that's also data that your phone creates is your like your most popular like. Uh, I, I saw a whole thing on it. Sponsored by, who? NordVPN. <laughs> yeah, we should. Yeah. We should, man. Protect I, your I data. Need to protect to. your location. <laughs> exactly. I could run but that yeah, up like right your now. phone tracks your most like 
your most like say you go to the same coffee shop every week or your work because you go there all the time on a certain day like it knows your routines mm-hmm. and humans are very very routine based and so literally all they have to do is track how often you're in an area because they know you go to this coffee shop every Friday. Here's they an know example. you go get pizza here. I, on Google, I just open up my maps and it has mm-hmm. marked on my Google Maps home where I live. Yes. And I didn't mark it at all. It just marked it because it knows that's where I'm at, where I go to sleep. On on my uh yeah, on my my phone as well, when I try to like search for a place, um, there are markers of like most recent visited places. Not just like most recent, but like the most popular. Mm-hmm. And some of my old some of the old apartments are on there. Yeah. Tagged still. And I've taken everything off. I've deleted everything off, but it knows how many times I went to that one location. Virginia Hall didn't have it. to worry about any of this, though. No, But she had not some at all. other worries, more concerns. I feel like the, in her world, it's a lot more. I almost feel like you could be a spy from anywhere at any time. Like, there's a lot more putting your your body on the line in, mm-hmm. like, that kind of situation that she's in. Yeah. Like, living also, in the in the zone in the world having to be phys- like everything you do has to be communicating i mean like obviously she's doing the you put stuff in newspapers you do you do you know different ways to get communications across but yeah. a lot of it is reliant upon her action in person true yeah like it, exactly think of the downside of that being a spy then it's it's all about communication and if you have valuable information how you're getting that out and how much easier it is to get or you know get caught giving away information when you have to communicate on a daily basis you have to be a people person yeah it has to be a totally different game you have to be able to win now. people over and like convince them and like know all the psychology of that obviously she did that well like you mentioned her uh, training resistant fighters and was adored in that way that's like that that whole process is no easy task i don't think no so definitely not but uh yeah th- i think this would actually be a really good time to take a break okay and we'll come right back uh to all this but uh yeah let's go ahead all right and we're back thanks for listening to that ad um it helps support the podcast you can find us on social media at casual x history um if you made it this far you know what we're talking about but just to reiterate we're talking about virginia hall one of the most badass spy women of world war ii um yeah and we're gonna jump back in that's right so when Barbie and Gestapo uh, distributed wanted posters for the limping lady, because they obviously had some sort of idea who she was and what she looked Hall like, f- Hall fled the country. Can the we, only can way we that pause she two could. seconds because I have a thought here. Cause, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Last detail I'm going to get hung up on, and then I swear I'll let you go. Okay. The go people for it. who draw wanted posters back then, insane. Like you had to be able to like take even still today when they when they would do artist renderings of describe what they look like and suddenly they just populate yeah. a similar looking photo, blows my mind. But yeah, that stuff does so blow my mind. Thinking too. about That's the people who skill. get glimpses of this limping lady and then suddenly they have wanted posters of her. Yeah, not that maybe there was a photo. Okay, obviously they like maybe there was a photo, but unlikely. So anyway, I'll we can jump back in, but that's wild <laughs> to me as well. No, I imagine that she was in so much stuff and things happening that like they might not have had like here's a picture of her face let me draw it yeah you know it was more of like um we know that she has a limp we know that she might have this short of hair like key features yeah and then put that on wanted posters um but yeah she had to to flee the country uh and she had to do it the only way she could a grueling 
what was it? A, a 50 mile trek over the Pyrenees mountains, southward into Spain. Uh, her Spanish guides first refused to take a woman, let alone an amputee, but she would not be deterred. The November we- weather was bitter cold and her prosthetic was agonizing. So 50 miles, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, at a safe house in the mountains, Hall radioed her superiors in London to report that she was okay, but that Cuthbert was giving her trouble. Mm. The deadly, serious reply from SOE headquarters, which mistook Cuthbert for an informant, read, if Cuthbert is giving you difficulty, have him eliminated. <laughs> they would, see, the amount of, I wonder how many people they just were like, get rid of him, get rid of him, not really even knowing, because like, they obviously yeah. didn't know who Cuthbert was. Yeah, she was but referencing that, her amputee leg. <laughs> at that, at that point though, like she must have been so important to the movement that yeah, like any any obstruction, like do what you have to do. Yeah, they did. Which is pretty crazy. They didn't. They were, but, no. But uh, Hall wasn't done fighting the Nazis. Since the British uh, OES refused to send her back into France as a marked woman, Hall signed up with the U.S. Office of Strategic Services, a persecuted. Uh, Precursor to the CIA. So she was in everything, man. What a freaking badass. How can she... Uh, how, how is that possible? Well, I guess How are you able to switch up? through governments like that? Like, if I was a spy... Yeah. And the U.S. just accepted me into the pre-formation of the CIA, like, mm-hmm. how does that... How is that allowed? <laughs> it seems Honestly, like an oversight by... Intelligence. How community. do you apply to be a spy these days? I'm sure there's no application. Can someone, process. please just come up to me and give me a, a card. Right. I would just see you. I'd be at really a bar. interested. Yeah. What would you do? What would you do if you were sitting at a bar and someone slid like a black card over and was like, "Hey, man, want to talk to you about you know more things about like being an if they could an verify that they were actual government officials, I'd be in. You'd be in. I'd be in to, to hear. You want to be a spy? I could. Yeah, I'd be in. Why not? <laughs> that dude, that's life on the line shit. I man. got one life. You know? That's I got dangerous one life. Shit. Yeah, well it's dangerous <laughs> just doing nothing, you know? It's dangerous just I living guess. a mundane life. That's true. <laughs> as long as I I'm not true. I, I, I here's here's my line. It's not that I would want to like go out and like hurt other people, but Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your line? <laughs> it's not that I want to go out and hurt other people, but But I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> well, it would be it sounds like it, it would be an quote, interesting job. It sounds like it would be an interesting um experience. So It would be. So that's it's what like, I'd be more into it for. I know it wouldn't be fun. Those are those are the misconceptions that you think of like, oh, you're a spy, you're badass, like how cool. Like no, none of your efforts get remembered. Um, you're supposed to disappear to be a good spy. It has to be hard training, like insane training and putting your life on the line, like at every second, it's gotta be terrifying. Yeah. Not for the faint of heart. Probably. Definitely not. But I mean, Hey, I, if you, if you're listening to this government <laughs> officials and want to <laughs> give an old podcast guy, a, uh, yeah, they're definitely <laughs> listening shot, to this thinking we can know. recruit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm young. I'm 25. I'm, I'm spry. Yeah, man. Sure. I got life <laughs> left in me, you know. I, I, I believe in you. <laughs> you would tell me if you were a spy, right? No. 
No, you never tell me? How, n- Jacob, I'm just auditioning for it to be a spy, and you're asking me if I'd tell you if I'd be a spy. I'm not going to say, yeah, I'd tell what you if, if I'd be a spy. What if you're a spy right now? That would immediately this. give away any credibility of <laughs> <laughs> me actually being verified as a spy. So I'm going to say don't know no. That. You don't know that for sure. They wouldn't want me to tell you, Jake. I'm pretty sure that's like rule number one. Don't that's, tell people you're a spy. Right. You're probably right. So, But I can keep a secret. I will say that. You think you can keep a secret? Oh, I can keep a secret. Under threat of death, you think you can keep a secret? I can keep a secret. Wow. Yeah. That's intense. That's intense, man. Yeah. Audience, let me know. Do you guys think you'd be up for being a spy? Do you think you have what it takes? You know? I need to ask the audience that. (laughs) But technically, we don't know what it takes. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, the whole thing is you don't quite know. You kind of know, but you don't quite know. But maybe the... There's probably well, like, you have to be smart, resourceful. There's probably a LinkedIn athletic. Uh, offer out there in the world. LinkedIn offers saying requirements, you know, bachelor's degree and Lord, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Need, needed experience. Entry level job. <laughs> must, must have at least five years in the field experience. But how do you get the job without, you know, how do you get the experience without being in the job? Yeah. It's, it's probably a same, yeah. same type of wormhole. Me, me, and just like my thought process now is it has to be a recruit from the inside. You have to be in some sort of army, special forces, something, and then show exceptional skills and then get recruited in. It's not something that they throw. Oh, I could do it, man. If I wanted to. Out. If I wanted to. Well, shoot, man. Well, in 1990, sorry, in 1944, months before the D-Day invasion at Normandy, Hall rode a British torpedo ship into France. I almost read that as Hall rode a British torpedo, which would not be correct, but also a very fun image. That would have been very um, James Bond of her. <laughs> that would have been very James Bond. Uh, but yeah, she rode on a British torpedo ship to France and was disguised as a 60-year-old peasant woman. She crisscrossed the French countryside, organizing sabotage missions against the German army. And in one OSS report... Hall's team was credited with derailing freight trains, blowing up four bridges, and killing 150 Nazis and capturing 500 more. Wow. So if that doesn't tell you that this woman was a badass, any, any time period, good Lord. <laughs> yeah, That sounds like real spy crap, It's intense. Man. It's intense stuff. Life and death. Yeah. And over the course of the next year, Hall mapped out safe zones for supply drops and safe houses. Um, worked with one major operation, Jed Burke, personally helped a train resistance fighters in guerrilla warfare and sent a constant stream of reporting back to Allied intelligence. Uh, her work continued up until the very end of the war. Hall only ceased reporting once Allied forces caught up to her and her team in September of 1945. Right, so she was behind the lines, and then once we started moving in, gotcha. Yeah. Upon returning to the United States, Hall married Paul uh, Galliott, a former OSS operative himself. So married, you know, another kind of spy. So then their kids became spies, and now it's like their spy family. And then now they made spy kids, and now and they're they made great spy actors. kids too. And then uh-huh. it wasn't as good as Spy Kids One. <laughs> and George Lopez was in it all. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I hope everyone gets that reference, dude. Such great movies. We watched the crap out of that as kids, man. I know. It made me want to be a spy. It did make me want to be a spy. Just the food scene alone where they just put like a flat piece of paper that in the microwave. That was the future, man. Oh, 
man. So she married uh, another spy, and so yes. she lived happily ever after? So well, they both transitioned. They both transitioned to work at the Central Intelligence Agency. So, so they, they're both CIA, CIA. Yeah. Wow. Where Hall became an intelligence analyst specializing in French uh, parliamentary affairs. Mm. Both Hall and Galliott were assigned to the Special Activities Division, the CIA division oh, focused quotes, on covert operations. Quotes, special activities. Yeah. Okay. Basically, they were they were focused on training more spies. Right. For the CIA. So, we yeah. So she probably probably put in place a lot of spies in France. I'm assuming is that what she ran that division? I think she just for the CIA after yeah after she supposedly like retired. How many spies do you think live in America that aren't American? Dude, I don't even want it. I don't even want to guess. No, no, let, I don't let's know. let's take a guess here. Let's How many foreign spies are living? Million. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I said. Anybody who's not like well, obviously you have to be American, but I wonder well, I guess you don't have to be American, but American to live here, right? For mm-hmm. a long periods of time, but let's say there are US citizens Mm-hmm. And then we can go across. I mean, it, it could be for any country, really. But maybe since let's start here, how many people do we think out of 330-ish million uh, people in America? What do you got? Know, a man. couple thousand, 5,000 people maybe from man, different that'd countries? that would be a lot of spies, bro. I mean, that that would make sense uh, like in my head at least. But I don't I don't know. That sounds that sounds crazy to think that there's five thousand spread across the U.S. Honestly, like I want to ask a bigger question. Probably, I want to ask a bigger question. Okay, how high up do you think one of these spies have gotten, or multiple spies have gotten right now? Like, do you think there are spies sitting in current like power positions right oh. now? Oh, interesting. So, like, um, if they were implanted from an early yeah. age and then grew up and have been directed to it sounds that this is not me being anti anybody but it, that sounds almost no. like a russian plan <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like the, the long it sounds con like game, an any spy plan the long man. con game seems like i don't know why i'd, I'd peg them peg that that uh, mindset um we've to, seen s- too many spy movies here in america that's what's happening no yeah and we I'm not, definitely I'm not, have spies like that in other places them. yeah i'm not framing that it's more the mindset of that long game of 30 years right like come here at age five and then at 40 you're now running you know a government official for some you know section of the u.s government but yet your loyalties lie somewhere else that seems like a really long played out um move that's true i mean like but also you got to think of um it might be even slightly easier here in america because i mean again uh not talking about currently but like we are a fully like we're a country of immigrants, so yeah, literally it could be too, from though. anywhere. Be it an American citizen, we people get paid off. This is the thing. I don't. I don't even think you would need that anymore. I think you just need money and then a little threat, and then you can probably money. like for our for kind what? of like for our sad government that we have currently. Okay. Oh gosh. No, no, I'm not getting <laughs> political about like sides. I'm getting. No, I'm getting political on just on just the system in general. Sure. Like. You you offer some like how corrupt. You offer some people some money in the back door, get them to do what you want. Yeah. So maybe maybe there's not as much physical like people spies. Maybe it's more just they've put more money into tracking our system, like and more money into maybe swaying decisions than um, because if you're not at war, war maybe you don't need as much of a physical presence in a an outside country. Um, but well, for like, like that's information so gathering. Easy. You give someone 
a couple million dollars to do a decision that you want to do. Sure. You know, like, sure. I mean, I'm sure that's, it's heavily influenced by that stuff. And I'm sure they have found like all countries, including the U S I'm sure there are, are, that is for most parts, like people in the field can never be replaced, but they can also be outdated in a certain way because of we allow all modern lobbyists, technology. You know what I mean? We allow lobbyists, sure. <laughs> like we allow yeah. it, but we call it lobbying. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like these, like, I don't know, maybe I know my mind is now twisted yeah. thinking, well, maybe we don't have a lot of spies. <laughs> maybe it's just, that's where the money's going. Maybe that's where the, the yeah. training is going. It's just how to get someone to do what you want to do with the least effort my mind, possible. My mind goes to funny places. Like, how many how many spies are going to like a friend barbecue like say you're like how how often do you think it is that like maybe you're best friends with a spy and you invite him over to dinner on a constant basis or like the more dangerous type which like that yeah maybe they're implanted in, as a government official and their literally job is not to do anything crazy besides relay information back safely yeah and relay the movements of people inside so like, much to keep track of people but this is where it's so much to keep track of. You sound exhausted, Jeff. Because it's exhausting. <laughs> like the conspiracy of it all, the 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 motives. Like I get, like it's probably segmented out in this information, and and it has its hierarchy of chain of how it makes it happen, and this does sure. happen. But man, if if people think that there's one person at the top that controls everything, I don't know. Like it just seems so far fetched. You it's know, like there's so much information. How do you keep track of all of it? I don't, I don't but know. But we know they exist. <laughs> They've existed oh, in our history. I know spies exist. I know spies are a thing. And definitely they're always there and happening. Like I just can't imagine How it much being run by one person or or yeah. even, I don't know. Obviously it's going to be, a, you know, you you have certain access that no one really knows what they're doing. They're all playing a piece to then to build the hole that you want to do. That's obviously the way that it's probably done. Sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty crazy to think that though, man. Yeah. But we were talking um, about Virginia hall and we kind of went off in a, in a <laughs> ranch, okay. but that's good. It's good. Uh, yeah. So I'm now at the end of her life. So, um, after 15 years in CIA hall retired in 1966, moving with her husband to Barnesville, Maryland on a farm. Hmm. Um, she died 16 years later at the age of 76 in Rocksville, Maryland, and is buried nearby. Huh. So during her life, Hall was awarded some of the most prestigious honors in the world. Not only was she made an honorary MBE, but she also received a Distinguished Service Cross, uh, the only such award given to a woman in World War II from the American government. Hmm. She was French, meanwhile, awarded her... Um, a Crocs de Laguerre, God, I probably butchered that, to honor her work in occupied France. Huh. After her death, the honors continued. She was commemorated in 2006 on what would have been her 100th birthday by the French and British ambassadors to the United States, and she was inducted into the Maryland Women's Hall of Fame in 2019. She remains one of the most effective and honored spies in American history. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, pretty blown away that, like, more people don't know this story, but also just the fact of like, it is the truth. Like, um, how hard it was for women back then and how they were seen to be the successful and to do this 
not only as just a spy in general, but like also as a woman and to be an amputee. Yeah. It's pretty freaking nuts. Yeah. It is really crazy. She had a lot going against her. Yeah. Uh, so I found also a little extra stuff. I found a interview that they have with someone who is writing a biography about her, um, here recently. And I thought I would discuss some of these conversations. Uh, there was a couple questions that I found intriguing that I wanted to know and he was, they were answering. So I just thought it would okay. be fun to go through those. Yeah, too. let's do it. Um, so let me see right here. Um, yeah, basically they asked, you know, about Hall's feats in pioneering the new style of espionage and guerrilla warfare and how it is still felt today. Um, and so the answer was, I spent a day at CIA headquarters in Langley, which was really fascinating talking to people there. And they pointed to Operation Jawbreaker in Afghanistan and how much they drew on the process that she really pioneered. Um, how do you set up networks in a foreign country, bringing in locals and perhaps preparing them for some big military event later on? Um, they took Hall's example. I've heard from other people involved in the CIA that she is, she is still mentioned in lectures and training there to this day. Mm. Not that long ago, they named one of their training buildings after her. Clearly she has an influence to this day and I would love, uh, to think that she knows this somehow because that's pretty cool, which is, yeah, pretty insane. Yeah. Um, Here's another question. He said, uh, you quote Hall as in saying that everything that she did during the war, she did it for the love of France. Why did the country hold such a special place in her heart? Um, and the answer was, she, she said she came to France at such a young age. She was only 20. Her home life had been quite restrictive. And uh, there she was in Paris, the great liter- literary and artistic culture flowering during that time kind of helped her. Um, the jazz clubs, the society of intellectuals, um, the freedoms, the emancipation of women. Is He says, uh, this is quite heady, quite intoxicating. It really opened her eyes, made her feel thrilled and stretched and inspired. That sort of thing in your 20s when you're very impressionables, I don't think you ever forget. Nice. Um, yeah. And then there was more questions about like the, the amputation. Uh, said, operating in a war zone in the mid-20th century in a mid 20th century prosthetic could not have been easy for Virginia. What was life like with Cuthbert on a daily basis? Cause I wanted to know this, like not only was she had to be a spy, she had to deal with having a wooden leg. Um, and he said, I managed to find a prosthetics historian at one of the museums here in London who was incredibly helpful. He explained to me that exactly how her leg would have worked, what problems there were, uh, what it, could do and couldn't do. One of the problems was in a way it was attached to her with leather straps. Well, that might've been okay if you're just walking a short distance in mild weather, but when it's really hot and you're climbing up and down steps, the leather would chafe your skin until it was raw and the stump would blister and bleed. Um, it would have been very difficult in particular going down steps because the ankles don't work in that way that our ankles do. Yeah. Um, and it would have been quite difficult to lock. She would always, feel very vulnerable of falling forward. That would have been a very big danger to her at all times, but then magnify that for crossing the Pyrenees for 50 miles, the grinding, relentless climb, um, and relentless descent. She herself said to her niece that she, that was the worst part of the war. And I can believe that 
it was just phenomenal that she made that crossing. Yeah. Which is crazy. That is crazy. Strong woman. Yeah, man. Uh, and then one last question for this was this. It says, um, and yet in spite of these accomplishments, Hall is not widely remembered as a hero of the Second World War. Why do you think that is? Um, I just and, never heard about her. Yeah. It and it said partly because she didn't like blowing her own trumpet. Um, she didn't like the whole obsession with medals and decorations. It was about doing your duty and being good at your job and earning the respect of your colleagues. Uh, she didn't go out of her way to tell people, but also a lot of other SOE female agents who came in after her died and they became very, like quite well known as tragic heroines. Uh, films were made about them. But they achieved nothing like Hall did, and it was difficult to pigeonhole her. She didn't fit in that conventional norm of a female behavior. In that way, she wasn't a story that anybody really wanted to tell. And in fact, she was disabled as well, made it even more complicated. Huh. Yeah. So that's that's nuts. I, I cannot believe um, I have not heard of her until this moment. You know, like it's just it was pretty crazy reading about her and thinking how there's not some like instead of James Bond, there being like a Virginia Hall movie. Yeah. Or some sort of spy movie with her in it. I bet that's probably coming. I I would hope so. That'd be really cool. I'd go see it. Yeah. But yeah, so I thought that was really interesting and I thought I would share and uh, hopefully that was enough, you know, information. Yeah, hopefully Uh, somebody, you guys out there got something from it. If you want to look it up more, go deeply in, you can, of course, um, do some Googling yourself. We're going to post some photos of it, of her um, on our Instagram and Facebook after we post this. Um, But I think that's it for episode three. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah, no problem, man. I'm excited for your episode coming up. Uh, we were just talking a little bit about how we would like to like lean into some sort of uh, horror theme because of October yeah, we have coming horror, up. Some horror podcasts lined up for October. So um, some good stories to talk about. All right, Jeffrey. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Yep. See you guys next time. Uh-huh.